Welcome to this midsummer episode, uh, number 15, I believe, of the Attic Sessions. And we had a plan. We always have these summer plans to do our recording out in the back garden. And then the rain comes and makes it difficult. So we are back in our lovely attic. But because it is probably the hottest day of the year, we have our windows open. So if you hear a bit of sort of background noise occasionally, um, traffic or alarms going off or even uh, magpies, that's because we're trying not to suffocate our guests, who we are delighted um, are joining us today, uh, Enda Coyle-Green and Mark Granier. Um, delighted to have you in the attic, and thanks for coming along. Delighted to be here, Nessa. Um, and both are very established um, poets. Um, Mark has published five volumes, the most recent, uh, which just came out a couple of months ago, actually, um, a new and selected called Ghostlight with Salmon. And Enda has published two books, uh, the most recent being Map of the Last, uh, which came out in 2013. 2013, yes. From Daedalus. Um, and she's currently uh, working towards her third volume of, of poems. Um, so, Enda, if I can ask you first, how, how did you get embroiled in this mad poetry world? How did I get embroiled? I don't ever remember getting embroiled. It was just always there. Yeah. Um, I always wrote. I, I can't remember a time when I didn't, after about the age of seven. And I don't know if many people have a memory of when they first had that Yosser Hughes moment. You know, the light bulb goes off and I can do that. Yeah in school, in, in primary school, yeah. not very far from here, I hasten to add, um, when a teacher suddenly praised something I'd written and said, I like the style. I remember that word, style. I yeah. Okay, I can do that. But I never thought of it in terms of, I always knew I'd be a writer without ever actually, really until much later on, doing anything about it. I just wrote. Yeah. And uh, were there lots of books at home? Were, you oh know? yeah, everywhere. I could read before I went to school. I, I, my home was more musical than bookish, yeah. but I think the, th the two go together. Yeah, yeah. So I, I, I knew how to read before I went to school because my mother must have taught me. Okay. But my mother was a piano teacher and a singer. There was a lot of music. We were probably a nightmare family to live next door, you know, music going at all hours of the day and night. And so the, the sort of the adult poet, when did she start to appear? Well, the child poet had a couple of things published in Junior Press. Do you remember Junior Press? I do remember Junior Press. I remember Press. seeing my name and being, oh my gosh, that's me, you know? And then I went into the teenage years writing, writing, writing. The adult poet didn't really start to take herself seriously as a poet until I was about 30, I think, 31. And I my husband just said to me one day, there was a, a local writing group, they had brought a book out, and he said, you should be in that. Mm. You should join. Mm -hmm. And I went along, as I always said to people, I went along thinking, well, I'm writing all my life. I'm a writer. And then to be met by all these wonderful women, it was an all-women group. Somebody had a play under consideration in the Abbey. Somebody had a play under consideration with Radio 4. This was in Scaries, In Scaries, and yeah. I was really intimidated, and I said, I'm never going back again. But I did. And I was with them, oh, for a long time, and... I would say exactly seven years after I joined, more or less, my sister said to me, Enda, you're not Emily Dickinson. 
you know, writing is not just, sending out is not something Ma did. My, my mother was a, was a songwriter, yeah. you know, and I grew up with that and yeah. all the ups and downs and highs and lows and disappointments mm. and, and good things. I think maybe that made me wary. I didn't mm. want to get embroiled in mm. that. Mm. So she said to me, it's not something that Ma did, it's what writers do. Yeah. So that's when I started really, I think sending out work makes you tidy it up, type it up properly yeah. and finish with it, right. sort of. Okay, so so the first book, how soon after you really had that moment huh. did the first book appear? Oh, a lot, lot, lot later than that. I, I'm dreadful. I sent out work for years and, and had work published and was happy when I did and tried not to be devastated when it wasn't because I think I'd learned a lesson somewhere along the line from growing up in that kind of a yeah. house. And I tried to be very level-headed about it, tried, as we all do, or some of us. And then um, eventually I won the Kavanagh, which was like a total shock. I mean, everybody enters the Kavanagh hoping. Yeah. I honestly, truly honestly did not expect to. I remember two nights before the, the call, being out to dinner with my husband and my daughter. It was my birthday. And I remember thinking, I wonder who won the Kavanagh this year? like that yeah. and I nearly had to be revived I got the phone call and work I'm not exaggerating it was quite a shocking sight to so behold so the cabinet is a prize for a collection for a first collection yeah. by a, a poet who hasn't published a first collection yeah. and after that I was approached and then the book came out I think almost a year to the day after the cabinet and that was snow negatives snow negatives in 2007 so i'm not going to do the maths here and let on l let everyone know um, exactly how old i am but it was quite a while after i started publishing <laughs> very good <laughs> and and mark can i ask mm. you what what was your trigger moment in terms of writing poetry when when did you start and how were you getting encouragement and how did that happen um there were probably a number of them i first started writing uh there weren't really poems there were just little ditties I suppose when mm. I was in uh, Ring College uh, when I was about I was there for a year in the 70s um, and uh, I was uh, I was very lonely because I was an only child it's the first time I'd been to boarding school mm. uh, and in order to kind of I suppose keep myself company I wrote these I discovered I could rhyme very easily uh, and I had a sense of rhythm or meter mm. um, uh, and so I wrote these little little books, I stitched them together and sent them back to my mother. Um, it wasn't poetry, it was a way, I suppose, it's like, it's a way of amusing myself, mm. um, like making little daisy chains out of words, really. Mm. Um, and then uh, it kind of got forgotten about, I think, um, although I remember in school when I came back, I came back to St. Conlet's then for another year or two, and uh, I think I did begin to have an interest in I remember loving uh, D.H. Lawrence's Snake mm. yeah. uh, yes, poem, which I can still remember bits of. Um, Fabulous. And uh, I think um, it was, all, funnily enough, it was Thomas Kinsella's poem. Um, that was one of those watershed moments uh, that I remember from school. Which the um, other, another September? Or the no, 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 February? none of the well-known <laughs> It was a series, a short poems. series called Moralities. Um, and there was one little poem in there about the snail uncurling on a bright lawn and washing on the line mm. and b very, very Derek Mann images actually. Mm. Uh, those bright kind of eidetic sort of uh, images that stay in the mind. And I suddenly realized that, you know, poetry could be about this, yeah. just ordinary domestic mm. yeah. 
you know, yeah. occurrences. And I was really, really taken by it. So I remember we, they, they used to ask you to read out um, whatever poem we were looking at. And I was determined to read this uh, as it should be read. And mm. I put my, my, my hands over my ears because I was at the back of the class with the other dossers. And, uh, <laughs> you know, they were prodding me and trying to get me to giggle. But I was determined to read it <laughs> properly. That was the first time I remember being conscious of how a poem should be yeah. read. Yeah. Uh, and that was in school. And then later, um, there were friends of mine, uh, Johnny Hughes, John O'Gorman, Dominic Malumbi. Um, they started this uh, magazine. I think it was... I don't. I think they'd gone into UCD at that stage, or no? Must no? It must have been last year's at school, or the early. No, it was first. It must have been in UCD. Um, they started this magazine called Neve, which was quite ambitious in those days because mm. it meant that you had to type everything, yeah. then you had to photocopy it, yeah. then you had to staple it, yeah. um, and uh, they they said, you know, we hear you write poetry, and it hadn't really occurred to me to write any poetry, so I started writing again. Mm. And I think really that's what kicked me back yeah. into it. So the little college magazine. Yeah. And then, of course, in those days, you had the Ablana Bookshop at the top of Grafton Street. Mm -hmm. I mean, I dropped out of school when I was about 16. I took my leaving in Bewley's. Um, I mean, literally, in Bewley's. Uh, and I... It was around that time that I began to explore um, contemporary Irish poets. Mm. Pierce Hutchinson was a huge influence. Mm. And were um, there, was there a reading scene? Like I, I wasn't aware of it. I, although, no, hold on a sec. I, I remember going to, I remember seeing Peter Fallon, actually, mm. when he was um, still a young guy on the scene, a young, cool dude. Uh, I think it was when it, it was, uh, gallery was probably Tara Telephone. Uh, it was before it became gallery. Mm. That was in the Fox Rock Folk Club. Okay. I always remember that. Yeah. But I didn't go to regular readings. It was, but the Ablana Bookshop was a huge. They had a, this little stand outside the bookshop, um, and it was like uh, it was what you'd see as you walk into a church. They had this stand. I think it was actually called the altar, mm. um, and the books were facing I out. Remember it, yes. So you'd see the covers, yeah. and I remember the early gallery books. Uh, were illustrated by Michael Caine, I think, the covers, and you had uh, Pierce Hutchinson's um, Watching the Morning Grow. Um, and I remember, I can still see the covers. Mm. And those books uh, made a big impression on mm. me. That's when I began to realise, you know, poetry could be, it could be conversational, mm. you know. Mm. Um, it didn't have to have that uh, highfalutin sort of Vatic yeah. voice. Mm. That's know? a big moment when yeah. you realise that. It is a big moment. That it's, it's written by living, by living people. By living people. Who and are, are yeah. you know, you can actually see yeah. in rooms and, and, yeah. and then pick up I, a I would have thought like poets, I would have had a maybe a similar experience mm. to you with school. And I thought poets were usually dead. Male and dead. Male and dead. Yeah. And that, but I spent, I spent my lunch times mm in the Ablana bookshop, places like that, mm. haunted them. I had, I, without thinking, there's something really strange about mm. you because nobody else you know does this. So then when you join a writing group, mm. you start to meet other writers and you realise you're not very strange, you're just part of this community. Mm. And you mentioned Peter Fallon because I did. A moment for me would have been one of the first things I ever submitted or applied for was a workshop he did mm. in the Irish Writers' Centre when he was Writers' Fellow, Writer Fellow in Trinity. And I remember being accepted on that yeah. and going along and meeting people. And as you say, that yeah. people just like us, people yeah. ordinary people in a room yeah. talking about poetry. Yeah. And that, that was a moment for me. Yeah. You know, after that, I just kept going. You know? And, mm. and Bewley's, because you mentioned doing the Leaving Cert in, in mm. Bewley's. I wrote a sonnet about it, actually. Did you? Yeah, <laughs> and it won, yeah, well, won a competition, but then mm. they didn't accept it, I think, because it was kind of like 
was thought to be not, you know, um, they didn't want a poem about bunking school. Oh, yes, indeed. Oh, the so, so, so the rebel, the, yeah. the rebel thing. Out the right image. That was a while ago. <laughs> but Beaulieu's was also where Poetry Ireland had its introductions in the in in the in the nineties. Yes, that's right. Yeah. So, because I, you yeah. know, my earliest sort of poetry reading memories, I think, mm. were in the upstairs cafe yeah. in mm. Beaulieu's yeah. and, and hearing people like Tess Gallagher yes. and, mm. and you know the people who were. Uh, coming along through the introductions and, yeah. and sort the of the winding stair. Yeah, the winding and stair. Do you yeah. I did it in the winding stair. The foggy Jew. Yeah. yeah. They had yeah. Uh, the best reading I ever saw in the foggy Jew. By the way, <laughs> was this um, uh, John McMee was 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 reading. Uh, and he was going on for a long time. John McMee of uh, the, uh, yeah. the yeah. lunchtime. Oh, yes, yes. yeah. no. uh, and he was great that. fun. But uh, he was uh, he was reading for a long time. And um, and then somebody told him to sit down, yeah. shut up, this other drunk guy. And he got up and he read a beer mat. He read the back of a beer mat. <laughs> and he said, he read about copper vats. And he put this great sort of oratund sort of voice into it. And we were riveted. And everybody was just in the stitches. It was yeah. fantastic. It was one of the best readings I've ever seen. Yeah. Sometimes it's the odd readings that work best. Mm. Or another time, I remember Ronan. Uh, Skeen, is it? Or Sheehan? Yeah, uh, Sheehan, yeah. Uh, Interrupted, I mean, <laughs> uh, a salmon reading. And um, he got up and he read this poem by Catullus in the original um, Latin. As mm -hmm. you do. And it was fantastic. Do, yeah. It was absolutely fantastic. Uh, yeah. Or Brodsky reading in Russian. Yeah. Um, that was, those were some of the best readings I've seen. <laughs> I, think, I, I think couldn't understand a single word. The mm. word wackier, more anarchic people yeah. on Definitely. the poetry scene Definitely. In, oh, yeah. in the 90s. I remember leaving a reading in Bowes one night. I had to get a lift home and my husband arrived to pick me up and the next day I get a phone call from somebody saying, oh, you missed it. The min you'd only left and this melee broke out. So it definitely was wackier yeah. back in the day. Yeah. Mm, remember Mick Mulcahy? Mm. I do. Right. The, name, the name is uh, Maybe he's before your time. Mm. He's this, we'll pretend he was. This wildly eccentric character he used to go around and um, you know, basically, I suppose it was kind of like a one-man busking, street performing. Oh yes, I uh, know, yeah. uh, but he just do these wild acts. You yeah. know, um, he's still around. I met him recently mm. in Listowel, well, a few years ago. Mm. Okay, um, and of course, then the the wonderful Christopher Daybell, who you may remember yes, from right. Grafton Street, setting his poetry yeah. up and down. That's, that's right. And think, do you like poetry? Yeah. Yeah. That's what he used to say. Yeah. I always had a slight problem with that because he started by saying. Do you like poetry? Which implied that if you didn't buy one of his books, you didn't like, like poetry. <laughs> yes. I had a slight problem with that, but mm. I, I remember Christopher. Yeah, yeah, he was very. Um, it's a very broad question. Very do you polite. like poetry? Yes, indeed. Now both of you did masters mm -hmm. in creative writing. Yeah, you you did it in Queens and you did it in Lancaster. Mm -hmm. Did it? Do you think have a kind of a seismic shift in terms not of how you me. wrote? No, not really. It not for me. Yeah. Um, I'd already published, I mean, it's 95, 96 when I did it, um, and I'd published, I published my first poem in New Irish Writing mm. in 1982. So um, at that stage I'd published quite a bit, um, and I had a, a manuscript which had already been rejected, um, but I was working on it. So it wasn't a huge, it was, it was, it was a way of gathering yeah. my thoughts. It also it I enjoyed it. Yeah, I enjoyed it too. I enjoyed meeting other writers. Yeah. I, I yeah. worked with fabulous poets, like Maeve McCockian and Kieran Carson, yeah. Michael Longley, Sinead Morris, Lily Antje Flynn. Well, that's great. This was like yeah. being in a sweet shop yeah. and being five, being in the same room with yeah. these people. But I actually started my master's on the day my first book 
came away, came off the printer. Okay. And Pat Boring gave me the copy yeah. of the book that very evening. Yeah. And I'd won the Kavanaugh the year before. I'd been writing for years. It was a personal, unfinished business mm. with yeah. me. Yeah. You know, yeah. sitting. I was working at the time in in, in a company in, in a business completely unrelated to literature. I always did that. Yeah. Not necessarily out of choice, but it was good for me. I think looking back on it. And to sit there once a week with people in a room while there's snow falling on an attic window, speaking about the invisible iceberg by yeah. Elizabeth Bishop. Yeah. I mean, who, what's not to enjoy yeah. that? Yeah, I no, loved that's, it. that's where I first discovered but you don't, James Wright. You don't Wright. do it. You don't do it yeah. to become a writer. And yeah. if you do, yeah. you're going about it the wrong yeah. way. Yeah, I think. It's, it's all yeah. the new influences that other people introduce you to. Yes, yes. Janice, yeah. uh, I think it was, introduced me to James Wright, the American poet. I ended up doing my MA on him. Yes. Yeah. So this um, is Janice Fitzpatrick Simmons, Jan who yeah. with Jimmy yeah. Simmons ran yeah. Poets House, who uh, Lancaster mm. offered degrees through, so That's that was right. your your yeah, yeah. Um, and it was great fun, uh, and it was it was interesting to, to uh, I commuted from Dublin, yeah, so I'd go up by the Belfast train, and then I get picked up in um, I think it was called uh, Whitehead, Whitehead, was it? yes, yeah. mm. um, great off license in Whitehead. Is there? <laughs> I didn't there know was, the off license. There was in the, the mid nineties, yeah. anyway. But I always felt I always felt that I had a large sign on me saying, you know, I kick with the other foot. Yes. Um, mm. I, but it was just paranoia. I just wasn't used to it. My yeah. parents came from the north, as mm. did my mother, actually. Yeah. But I loved I, going to the north. It was like I loved to it as well, yeah. yeah. I think it was I between the two. It was between the, that, that time then would have been between the two uh, ceasefires. Yeah. Because I was at this uh, seminar in Poets House in July 95. So the first ceasefire was happening. Mm. And uh, it was a very unionist area, but people would see the Dublin registration and come over and say, really glad you're here. Yes. Mm. You know, yeah. shake your hand and stuff. Mm. But then that broke down. And in 96, there was the, the whole uh, clamp down that the, the loyalists had a strike. They closed the airport. Mm. Um, so and then it was 97 that they had the, the Good Friday Agreement. So so there were kind of pockets of things were opening up and then they were being closed down again sure. and then opening up. So mm. depending on what time you hit that. Mm. It was very peaceful out in Island McGee. You yeah. didn't really see much of that. Yeah. Um, it was odd. that It was at Lancaster University uh, MA, but it was it was run from the Poets House. Yeah. Right. And that was, uh, that was a, an unusual, a great little place, you know, just uh, out in the end of nowhere, really, yeah. you know, because yeah. uh, you could actually see the Scottish coast yeah, from, the the, from the house, yeah, you know. Yeah. Um, and because Janice mm. was an American, I think she had access to a whole range of American poets that's right, who were friends yeah. of hers who could mm. come and yes. talk. Yes. And, and that's right. So it, it was quite a, a unique education. I yeah, it was the first time I saw Eamon Grennan read. Yeah. Uh, was in Island Bengay. Yeah. And uh, he's a yeah fantastic reader, mm. great sense mm. of rhythm. So you both mm. came back from your, with your masters. Yeah. Um, not particularly feeling like life was going to be very different now because that was just... No, as I said, it was a personal mm. thing for me, yeah. very much a personal thing. And I, I didn't feel I have achieved, I am set now for a glittering career and yeah. I don't think like that. Yeah. And yeah. probably I should have at some stage, but I've never done it. So. But did the poems that you were writing for that feed into the second? Oh gosh, yes, with me they did because a lot of the, well, a lot of the work I would have done while I was doing the Masters towards my dissertation yeah. with the skeleton of my second collection, Rabbit yeah. the Last, yeah. which after I graduated, which I sat on for two or three years while I went through it again. Yeah. Because I worked slowly and having to write that quickly was 
you know the way yeah. when you're doing a master's, sure. mm. you're writing, writing, writing yeah. all the time, sure. you're producing, and that was a kind of a different way of working for yeah. me. So yeah. I wanted to make sure that what was in the book was me, yeah. and wasn't something that was forced out of done me because I was doing it. Yes, and there yeah. wasn't something that was done for assessment or something done to please a teacher yeah. or to yeah. pass an exam. I wanted or to make sure. reflect on course learning. Absolutely, as I wanted I to make sure it was me, and it was much as much me as Snow Negatives yeah. was. I wanted that. Yeah. Obviously, I was hoping there was some progression of some sort, as yeah. you do, but with every book. But do you think they're different books, um, style-wise? Not radically, but I think you you try and move yourself on, don't you, Mark? When you when you in, in some small way. Yeah. yeah, I suppose one does. Um, and you've just done your new and selected, mm. and and, mm. and one of the things I wanted to ask you was whether mm. that process of putting. So it's four books, mm. four previous books into this new and selected. That must have given you a good opportunity to look at the whole kind of body of work and see mm. how yeah, you Yeah, I, I, I think it's, um, it was an opportunity because the way I write is I tend to accumulate poems. Um, I, think, um, I think probably much in the way that people like uh, Larkin or Kavanaugh uh, wrote, I don't, I don't really have a, a kind of a project, you know, I don't work that way. Mm. Um, I'd be I, similar, yeah. I tend to write from moment to moment, mm. um, and if something, you know, pulls me in a different direction, I'll just go with it. Mm. Um, there was a one poet who said, uh, I can't remember his name, at a reading that, you know, you, you, you have an idea or a, a, wor a phrase or a line comes into your head, mostly a phrase or a line, it's mostly words rather than ideas. And you kind of follow it to see where it leads. And mm. really, that's how, for me, a poem mm. develops. Mm. So, mm. And that's largely the way books develop. So I don't have these kind of um, projects. I don't have this idea for uh, a book that is kind of a, like a solid whole uh, entity. So did it, that make the new and selected even tougher to do? In a way, no, but because yeah. of the way I write, um, yeah. it just it gave me an opportunity to put things in a certain shape. I think Haunt... The the previous yeah. book before that uh, is probably the most shapely book that I've put together. Um, the themes have knitted together, they found themselves really. Um, and Ghostlight, which is a similar title obviously, um, it takes those themes and it, you know, I think I've been, I've, again I've been able to find a book with a certain shape to it. Mm. Uh, the previous collections might not have had such uh, definite shapes you know mm -hmm. i find that when mm -hmm. i'm when i'm writing poem i i would be like you and i would i would think about what i'm working on mm. while i'm in it while i'm in it it's like i think eleni quinlan described it as like a world entire you're in this world and it's mm. walking around in a forest of words but then when you get to the end you have a poem and i would do like you i would hoard them but i think unconsciously sometimes they put themselves into an order in mm. your head somewhere sure, you yeah. wouldn't necessarily be writing around a theme i mean in the middle of my last book i have a themed section mm -hmm. but that was something i really wanted to do it was a, a local event i wanted yeah. to record mm -hmm. it in some way but but you know when you're putting you must have seen it when you were putting your book together when you say no that poem just does not sit with any oh of yeah of course mm. this of course. is like an alien feral yeah. baby yeah. that yeah. will have to stay out there until the next no book, i ended right? up i i was putting i was t removing and inserting poems right up and yes. to the wire yeah. and in fact peter uh, sir introduced it and he made a joke out of it because he said uh I'm going to read a poem that isn't in the book because <laughs> it was it had been <laughs> when I got to the, very last yes, I got the manuscript. Yes, yes, yeah. um, and I took it out, and, and Peter acknowledged that that's what happens. Yeah. Yeah. You yeah. tend to, to reshape things constantly. And like, there's nothing you know. wrong with that poem, no. but you yeah. just didn't feel it, it belonged there. Yeah, I just. Um, yeah, that's the way I would be. I as just well, felt yeah. it wasn't quite strong enough, but yeah. there you go. 
you know yeah. I don't mm. know I may have made mistakes probably nothing is perfect no. you know absolutely nothing well um, might, might I ask you to yeah. maybe read a little selection from it just to give the viewers sure. a, a okay. sense of throw that at you now having done that but we're talking about ghost lights so okay. mm. why not um, well this is a new and selected so uh, I'll read um, do you want me to read a a read few poems, yeah? Read what you like. Okay, well, they're fairly short, so I'll read about three or four, if that's okay. I um, did like your cat and dog one. Can I just say that? Oh, did you like that? I did. <laughs> Notes on cats and dogs. Yeah. That's because uh, I was saying to Enda, we just recently got a dog in the family, mm. uh, a mad little Jack Russell. Mm. So it did make me think about um, cats and dogs. Anyway... Well, I would like to hear that too then. Would you like to? Oh, yes. <laughs> okay, well then You'll have to find it. Right, have to I'll find have it. to find it. <laughs> yes. um, okay, well, that's in the new poem. I oh, know it's in the. Uh, it's in Haunt. Um, uh, no, sorry, what am I saying? It's in the new poems. I can't even tell where I've. <laughs> it's 120, yeah. Okay, I'll start with that. Um, so I suppose it's a kind of a prose poem, since it's merely a, a selection of statements on cats and dogs. Okay. Notes on cats and dogs. Tree equals wall. Tree equals staircase. The tale is ever hopeful, metronome, propeller of delight. The tale is a seismograph, warning, whip crack of furious silence. No matter how small, a dog has bulk and is earthed. No matter how large, a cat treads one millimeter above the ground. Mm. A dog is proof against intruders, wind in the chimney, ghosts. A cat is partly an interloper, partly its own ghost. A dog abandons itself to the chase. If it runs fast enough, it will spout wings. A cat's wings are folded into the crouch, the stalk, the pounce. A cat delicately sniffs the air, a leaf, a grass blade. A dog delicately sniffs the air, a leaf, a grass blade, before being yanked, snorting, to the centre of the earth. A dog on its back equals the ultimate submission. Mm -hmm. A cat on its back equals maybe. Mm. Prufrock's predicament. He is a dog. She isn't. In the wake of the dog, opportunistic campfires, tossed bones, tradings of scent, the slow, painstaking deciphering of the human face. In the wake of the cat, settlements, palaces, a niche for a household god. A dog fills a space. A cat opens one. See, that's so brilliantly observed. So Absolutely. brilliantly observed. And I'm convinced you are a cat person, really. Oh, you ah, are. Yes. yes. No, I think I've, I've become both a cat and a dog person <laughs> <laughs> now because... Uh, you play both sides. The, yeah, the, no, I know, Sometimes I'm a traitor, to. a traitor to cats. <laughs> um, but no, I love cats yeah. and we've always had cats. Mm. You know, our family had cats for about 30 years. We've mm. had cats, including a lovely old cat that must have lived to 22 or 23 years. Yes, they can live to that Photographs age. of myself as a kid with her. Yeah. And then later on, she moved into a, a Volca Terrace um, and lived with me and my mother there. So, it, you know, cats can live for ages. Mm. Um, well, I cheekily asked for that, mm. uh, thus disrupting your plan Not as to what you were going to read. So matter. do you want to maybe read one? Yeah, OK. Um, I'll read uh, From Black Rock is a little sonnet uh, I wrote about my father. I never met my father um, and my father doesn't know I exist, <laughs> uh, which is strange. But he's always, I suppose, his absence has been a kind of presence in its own right. Um, 
and this is called uh, From Black Rock. Here's to you, ghost, father, alive or dead. Your surname's reserved seat, your vast library of the unsaid. To your one image, slip of the past, in blurred grey and white, a soldier sitting with my mother, your smile sleepy, hers bright as the ghost light blowing your cover. To the curse or gift you bestow, abstraction, my soft spot for absences, cloud watcher, sea watcher, open to the slow shift of light, the waves always present tenses. To the given, darkening, Dublin Bay almost black, except nearby, where a wave splits a rock. Lovely. Um, read one, one more, maybe? More? Yeah, okay. Um, okay, I'll read a, a, a poem I wrote, which was uh, inspired by um, a... Uh, I'm fascinated by the prehistoric <laughs> in many ways, but uh, I couldn't believe this, this uh, picture I, thought I saw of um, uh, a flute, apparently the oldest musical instrument, uh, and it was made from a vulture, <laughs> a vulture's bone, uh, apparently 38,000 BC. Wow. Um, so this, was, this is, I think, so far the oldest instrument discovered. So it's called Vulture Bone Flute. Fitting to see the oldest airs salvaged from a raptor, the air of its wing. And there is music in our bodies, drums and strings, wind instruments fulfilling themselves, so blood and sweat sings to surfaces, half blinding those eyes lost in the swing of a scythe, a notched sword, the haulage of hominid arms through foliage, music that runs like sap back to the root of our species, jogging on the spot wired to an iPhone, chants, field hollers, deafening wars, silences, the body bearing the mind away with riffs, keys, tones, variations on what's in us and what will come to blow through our bones. Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful stuff, wonderful. And uh, you're working towards collection number three. Is it, is it like the, th the tough third album? How, how, how's it? It's completely different. It's the first album or the first book, you're all your life writing it. I mean, in my first book, Snow Negatives, there are poems that I know I wrote when I was in my very early 30s. Now, they weren't published in book form until mm. a lot, but they're essentially the, those poems. Mm -hmm. um, the second book, as I said, came out of my master's, the skeleton of it did, and I went on to put flesh on the skeleton and, and make it bigger and more, more me, I think. Um, the third book has come from a completely different place. I'm not working anymore. I don't have a job. I was one of the uh, casualties of the recession. Yeah. And I was fine. I spent my whole life going, oh, I should all day to write. And suddenly I had all day to write. And so therefore the writing is different. It's, it's a completely different process. Mm -hmm. So I the third book has been more of a gradual feeling. Oh, you actually might have a book here. Mm -hmm. Then, oh, I'm nearly done with this. So yes, it's been a very different process. And in a way it's been not so much difficult as strange. It's a, it's a new experience having all this time to look at what I've got. So are you finding subject matter comes more from something you read or, you know, how has it shifted from the experiences 
that you know maybe mm. found their way into the first book I, I don't know I don't know I've, I've never really given that any thought I think poems arrive when they're meant to arrive and there is no logic yeah. to how they come and it's impossible we all know to write about something yeah. if you've ever been commissioned to write something as I have it's difficult yeah it's very very difficult so perhaps when it's all together when it's finished and I look at it I'll say oh mm. yes this is a very I would never have approached that subject yeah. when I was on the second book or on the yeah. first book I don't yeah. know I think it's too early for me to really answer that yeah. can I can I ask just one thing that occurred to me when you were mentioning about the the young women young women's poems of that yeah. first book because again I was resonating with with you know poems in my first collection which were you know we were we were in our 20s we were out in the hunt looking for men and that yeah. sort of thing and even though I'm glad I wrote them they'd never be part of my reading repertoire now because that was just a different person mm. so is there something about you know particularly if you write autobiographically inspired poems mm, do I they have a shelf life I suppose well I didn't write so many autobiographical yeah. now that's a very interesting question because I didn't write so many autobiographical poems then perhaps now I'm writing more yeah I'm looking back and looking at myself yeah I tended to do it through a prism of something else yeah you know, I could. Yeah. I know there's one poem in, in Snow Negative that it, I probably wouldn't read now. I mean, I I stand by the poem. Sure. But as you say, she it's feels like it, she was definitely a different person. Yeah. Well, yeah. she probably isn't. I'm probably still in there somewhere, given yeah. half a chance. But um. Do you have that experience, Mark, of sort of like a different person in some of the poems that well, are no longer relevant? It, it depends on how early you want to go. I mean, <laughs> obviously, if you go back to Ring College, they were little ditties, yeah, basically. Yes, yeah. um, but uh, when I, and then the earlier poems, the very early poems that I began to write when I was 16, I wrote one poem, funnily enough, with an Irish title called Knuck, because I, I just like the word, yeah. mm. <laughs> uh, the Irish word for hill. And, um, and that was very inspired by Pierce Hutchinson. Uh, and I've actually, I've borrowed a couple of lines. I, I don't think I still, I still don't think I understand exactly what the poem is about, although I know it's about climbing a hill. Mm. Um, but it was one of those mysterious poems where uh, you get that sense of, I don't like to use the word inspiration um, mm. because uh, it's it, like the word poet itself. It always seems a bit precious. I agree. Um, but, you know, you did, I did have this sense of, of, of words uh, just coming into my head, the yeah. small song of the beast that might love the impossible, mm. delicate gift, whatever that means, mm. uh, came into my head. And uh, yeah, I think that was the first true poem I wrote. I yeah. can actually locate it to when mm. I was about 16, but I didn't write many yeah. like that. And a lot of them were just poor shadows of, you know, Leonard Cohn. Mm. Um, uh, He's as good as anyone to be a poor shadow <laughs> of. Yeah, well, yeah, it's, um, and I've always preferred his songs to his poems, actually. Mm. Um, it yes. was actually, it was, uh, it was Paul Muldoon who said, uh, regarding songs, that um, very few poems have as much pressure per square inch uh, as songs. But of course, songs have music to mm. carry them. Of course. And that's yeah. the difference, you yeah. know, because mm. Leonard Cohen works when he has his music. Yeah. Um, but as poems, I don't think he's terribly strong or interesting as a poet, although he is interesting. Mm. Um, but those were my first influences. I couldn't, I mean, I mean, I, ju I couldn't, none of those really hold up. Yeah. Um, but I, regarding autobiographically, it's interesting. I mean, most of my stuff, I suppose, is autobiographical. And there is a pushback against that, has been for quite a while, especially with the influence of postmodernism. Yeah. Mm. Um, Confession and this kind of is a bad thing. Yeah, and, and the, I don't the, go with the subversion and yeah, the, yeah. you know, language poetry, L-A-N-G-U-A-G-E yeah, yeah. poetry. 
which pushes back against that and, and seems, you know, and, and what it perceives to be the tyranny of language it's itself. Yeah. But um, if you don't write what you yeah. are going to, what you, what you need to write and mm. what you are, and I hate using the term as a poet, it sounds mm. pretentious, but it's true, yeah. it's fake. You of have course. you have to write the poems that are yeah, coming out of you, it's yeah. uh, whether they're language or isms, whatever isms. Well, I, I think most people who write would understand yes. and agree with that, yeah, yeah. even on poem. And there is a divide. Yeah. I mean, you can't, you know, whatever about fusion. Yeah. Uh, they talk about the fusion of of those two streams, if you like, the mainstream, the so-called mainstream, and uh, and post 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 modernism or mm. whatever you want to call it, post avant. Um, I, d I still think there's a huge division because they are they are radically different mm -hmm. uh, interests. Mm. Autobiographically, you know, I'm still writing. I will still write poems. There's plenty of poems about my mother who died in 2012. Yes, yes. I have to write them, you know. I can't. And yet you see people you come up with these idiotic yeah. statements like, yeah. oh, another poem about, uh, you know, a mother uh, or mm. a father. When will the Irish stop writing about their relations? You know, this mm. kind of thing. Yeah. You never, actually, yeah. you know, in a thousand years from now, mm. if there are still uh, poets around, if there are still humans and if <laughs> in there the are still Anthropocene, yeah. Yeah. Um, they will be writing yeah. Yeah. Uh, such poems because, you know, what is poetry? And you look up the stars and you think, Jesus, you know, what's that? Mm. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's where poetry starts. Yes, and indeed. that's not going to stop, yeah. you yeah. know. Absolutely um, indeed, yeah. So I don't understand that huge pushback against what they call, you know, the domestic epiphany. I, I, mean, I, I ignore all that, Mark, because yeah. I've seen, I, I'm writing a long time and I've seen it come, I've seen them come and I've seen them go, the isms and the mm. ideas, mm. and I just do what I do. Yeah, yeah well, I, I think you're dead right, because yeah. what else can you do? Yeah. You exactly, know? what else can you do? Well, um, can you give us an example of what you do? Right, well, now, if we're speaking of mothers, I'm going to read a mother poem. Good. I apologise no, no, to no, all the people who object. No, the reason the reason I'm doing this because I mentioned her earlier and I felt I was going to read another poem. Uh, this is a poem in three parts, but I don't. No, that's okay. Absolutely okay. And it's from the first book. It's from Snow Negatives. And my mother was, as I mentioned, I feel it's only fair to reference her in this poem because the, what she did as a writer herself was kind of hard for us as children to watch her ups and downs and her highs and lows. And when they were bad, when things were bad, they kind of destroyed her, mm. which always made me attempt to be very level-headed, mm. as I've already mm. said, mm. about the whole process mm. and not think I'm curing the world because I can write a poem. But anyway, um, this was a poem in three parts. I wrote about my mother and I had an experience yesterday where I ran into somebody on the street in Scarries who had a huge connection with my mother. Somebody who lives in Scarries who I had managed to live there for, I won't say, a very long time. Yeah. I had never met this never person. Met and it suddenly validated my choice to read this. So, so that's why I'm reading Lovely. it. Okay, at the, at the risk of sounding too um, spooky. Mm. This is words to form my mother. One. While you were living, I could never breathe life into you to put you on a page. Although God knows I tried enough to leave your imprint there. My pen became a cage that held you in and only let you go out like a skim of stones on water, grey as air, in air a trace above the flow. I could never face you in that way you faced into each morning, eyes tight around the light that flittered everything you'd ever reached for as your birthright in this world. You eluded me to sing and teach, to write yourself, Word by word, you slipped away from me. I never heard. Two. I am trying again 
to write of you, your complexities, your kind simplicity. As usual, no word of it is true. And all the images I watered grew, I've cut away and do not want to see again, as I am trying to write of you. Your breeding blooded me and led me here through tenements and farmers fled from Germany. I wonder if one word of it is true. Or if perhaps you never really knew yourself, but always knew enough of me that I would try again to write of you. From whose hands I long ago withdrew and now can't hold, won't hold the memories. So probably no word of this is true. To die just once is all you have to do, you said, and understood how it would be. I am trying again to write of you. As usual, no word of it is true. Three. Goodbye, I said. I'll see you tomorrow. The last words I spoke to you that night. Not quite closing the door, leaving a gap as small as your voice had become, as small as a child. I looked back, head lowered, eyes already somewhere else. In the chair beside your bed, you tried to rest, your radio silent for once. Your curtains were half drawn against the light that snagged in the branches of the tree outside your window. The sky glazed over, grey subsumed into the black. The sky glazed over, grey subsumed into the black that snagged in the branches of the tree outside your window. For once, your curtains were half drawn against the light. In the chair beside your bed, you tried to rest, your radio silent. I looked back, head lowered, eyes already somewhere else. As small as your voice had become, as small as a child I spoke to you that night, not quite closing the door, leaving a gap. Goodbye, I said. I'll see you tomorrow. The last words. Oh, well done. Good. Well done. Thank you. And, and uh, you must feel that that sort of keeps her alive in a way? Yes. A she, was like that? she was a very hard woman to define. It was, I, I tried, I don't know if you have this mm. experience writing about people you love. Some people are easy to write about. Mm. Some people are very easy. My father, I could have rivaled Plath in the amount of daddy poems. I could mm. have, he was a simple, kind man. He yeah. was, what you saw was what you got, you, got, yeah. you know. My mother was just a, she was like Mercury, you couldn't yeah. grow up at all. Mm. And the amount, she, she appears obliquely here and there, she kind of comes into a room in a poem and she slips back out again. And the only way I could tackle her was to put her into a form, because then, you know, you have to stick to the, the Yeah, scheme. because the word, the three parts were, was it sonnet, villanelle? Sonnet and, and a mirror poem. Yeah. I mean, there is a it term. It sounded like a villanelle, yeah? The yeah, middle the one was a villanelle, one, yeah. 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 Because yeah. that way I couldn't, go off on a tangent because I had to fulfill what I had to fulfill mm. while writing a Villanelle, which was good because it meant I kind of corralled her. Yeah. So basically the whole thing is about me trying to form her, which was nearly impossible. So Well you 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 certainly achieved it. How did we get on to mothers anyway? Um <laughs> We're I always mothers are I, I might have well somebody mentioned autobiographical yes. writing. Yeah, that yeah. was me. Um, yeah. yeah. I, I meant to say about about um I think everybody writes uh, 
most po- most poets anyway, right? Both autobiographically and fictionally. Yes. Um, because you know, poetry is also fiction. Of it's course, it is. Yes. Fiction, yes. as well. Stevens wasn't it said that? Yeah. Um, it was one. And yeah. Conor O'Callaghan, I think, published a book called a book of poetry called Fiction. And um, those kind of poems are really, really great to get into when you're yeah. working on them, because you are somewhere else it's altogether. It's play. Yes, you know it's what play. I mean? So yes. there's always the play. Yeah. There's always that element in writing poetry, and that's what renews it, yeah. you know, and makes it what Pan called, you know, the classic, the perpetually fresh, yes. you know. Um, you have to you have to work with that sense of, there has to be that sense of play, I think, and mm-hmm. play with language. And then also there's that dimension of the, I, I mean, all the stuff I write is in some way uh, or another autobiographical. Mm. So there's a little piece of yourself in there somewhere, I think. Mm. It's going to be a word, an image. Mm. Mm. But it, it changes, you know. And yeah. yeah, I wrote once wrote a poem called "False Memory" because it was about uh, remembering uh, a visit to a doctor, uh, wh- which when I told my mother about, said, no, "I never happen. took you to that doctor. I wouldn't take it because he was he was." Mm. He had a strange sense of humour. She mm. said, I wouldn't take it yeah. to somebody like that. Yeah. <laughs> but I remember it. So yes. it could be a false memory. Yes. Yeah. It could be either of ours false memory. Mm. I like working with that kind of mystery. Absolutely, know? yes. Yeah. What might have happened, what didn't happen. You have to give you yourself know? the room and the freedom yeah. to do that. And to invent, you know. Mm-hmm. People, the prob- uh, problem with poems with people who don't write poetry, and mm. I worked in an office full of people who didn't write poetry. I know you've done it as well in the past. You know, you are the poet. Yes. And everybody thinks you have this fascinating life because your poems could be full mm. of fascinating things and really your life is as ordinary as anyone else's. And they also is think that you're really wise. Sorry, go on. Sorry, no, I was just <laughs> to say, they also think you're wise because you're a poet and in yeah. fact you don't have yeah, a absolutely, yes. about, mm. about anything. Absolutely, yes. Are there still people who think that poets oh, yes. have fascinating lives? <laughs> I think there are, yes. <laughs> I, mm. I mean, it's the opposite of Hemingway, you know? Yeah. Mm. Um, and, mm. the te- of course, you have Paddy Kavanagh's phrase, the, the standing army of 10,000, mm. which has now must be 50 or 60,000. There's, a lot, there's yeah. a lot more of us. We're going to be on social welfare, yeah. but that's a whole other uh, area of, of, of discussion. Mm. Can I say thank you so much for, for coming in and talking to us? It was an absolute pleasure. Um, longest day of the year, but you have made it very And the short hottest day of the year. And the hottest <laughs> day of the year. So I think we are going to um, go downstairs and, and uh, get some air and water and uh, recover. From right. a lovely chat. So thanks again, Enda. Thanks, Martin. Absolutely for, for coming in and, and reading your lovely work. Um, thank you for joining us. Um, we will be back again in July. Um, we do have a plan, but I'm not going to tell you about it. That's what I do. So thanks for for tuning in, and um, hope you enjoyed the show. Yes, I know that I'm just a dreamer. I dream. Cause it's the closest I'll ever get to you